EC. What's going on? Hey, how's it going, buddy? Everything is good, my friend. Oh, can you hear us, bud? Yeah, I can hear you. Awesome. How's your day going? Going pretty good. Awesome. Sorry about the connection uh, issues here. We're having a, a hell of a day, bud. <laughs> we just got hit with that windstorm last night, so it's made things a little goofy here this morning. We're we're in Omaha, Nebraska. We got blasted pretty hard with the storm. Where are you coming from? Yeah, yeah, Atlanta. Nice. You guys got any of that coming your way, or? Nah. If we do. Not. <laughs> <laughs> so. so, what's going on, gentlemen? Well, welcome to the show, DC. We uh, want to go over today with you, go over your career a little bit. And uh, talk about some of the things that you got going on now. And um, hey, check just it out. Uh, Before we get started, just remember this is not about me, it's about y'all. So, whatever you want to ask me, just ask me. All right. Awesome. Awesome. You Thank you for that. Traditional route. Let's just, let's just get to talking. <laughs> all right. Sounds good, man. So, uh, yeah. when, when did this all start for you, bud? Mm, my whole life has been this. You know what I mean? Um, it really took off 11th grade when I met Steve in high school. And, um, you know, they had a band called The Business, and I wanted to be in that band. And I begged them for months to get in that band. I got in that band. And then I worked at the uh, in the truancy office, Miss Patton, Miss Payne's office at Emanuel High School. And I heard beautiful music down the hall, and it was... Uh, Dr. Joyce Davis's Bolt Vibration Choir. I had to be in that choir, so I started singing. And then went to my first uh, dance at that school, and I saw a DJ with two turntables and a mixer, you know, scratching records. And I was like, oh, yeah, I got to do that. <laughs> became masterful at all of them. And as I went to college, I honed my skills in rapping because I stole a rhyming dictionary from the library, but they got it back. And that was the pivotal point because I would be in class writing rhymes, <laughs> right? So using the, the rhyme dictionary. And I just learned how to rap, sing, record, become a producer. And after school, I moved to Atlanta because Steve was going to the Art Institute down here. And I didn't realize how good a DJ I was. And I ended up getting a DJ job maybe two days after I got to Atlanta at a club called Magic City. And that started my trajectory to knowing everybody in the city of Atlanta, knowing all the artists, knowing all the stars, because I was in the hottest club. And, you know, one thing led to another. We're making music. And as a young man with, you know, incredible hubris, I just love the fact that I got to play my own records, right? Play my own, I could do a song in the morning and play it that night. And we were making a bunch of music, but we we're in the Southeast. And the Southeast was the land of bass music. And I knew that we have to make, we had to make an up-tempo record. And our first attempt was Wound, There It Is. And I knew that it couldn't be like what the bass was down there, but we had to just keep it. To me, the essence of hip hop is planet rock. So we kind of did, we kind of, you know, I told Steve just thinking that band or Egyptian lover, and I was always working on lyrics. So I had a song from a popular saying that people were saying in the clubs. And lo and behold, the first night I played it after we got out of the studio, that's the biggest response that I've ever had on a record to this day as a DJ and I've been DJing for 30 years. So um, like I said, my hubris as a young man, every song I make is going to be a hit and I kind of shelved whoop there it is. But then I played it again because one of the girls wanted to hear it. And one of the record reps was in the building, Mr. Alan Cole from Columbia records. And he had heard that record and was like, who the hell is that? And I was like, that's my, that's my new record, dog. And he was like, give me that record. I'm going to New York. I want to let them hear this. Two days later, I get a call from Columbia Records. I'm like, shoot, I could do this with every label. <laughs> label reps, records. Now I'm talking to all the labels, Epic, Warner Brothers, 
uh, Mercury, Jive, all of them. And they all love the record, but they're like, you know, back then it was just New York and LA. They didn't know what to do with it. And I almost gave up because they were giving me the runaround. But then a beautiful lady named Lisa McCall told me to call Al Bell. For those who don't know who Al Bell is, in the beginning of soul music, there were three record companies, Philly International, Motown, and Stax. And Al, Al Bell owns Stax Records. And the year before, boom, there it is, he put out a record called Daisy Dukes by a group named Deuce. Yes. And it went gold. And I knew that might be the ticket. Because if he knows how to work an up-tempo record, then we might have a chance. And I gave him a call. He called me like two weeks later. And I was like, look, dude, I got a hit record. I'm in the hottest clubs in the city. Everybody loves it. All the labels are talking to me. You have to sign us. And he was like, okay. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You haven't even heard the record. Don't play with me. And I'll never oh. get the word he said to me. He said, brother, I don't have to hear the record. I hear it in your spirit. Let's agree to agree and get this thing moving. And uh, you know, I gave my two weeks at Magic City, which was the club I was at, signed a messed up record contract. And in a month and a half, tag team was platinum. And the rest is history. Wow. That's amazing. That, you know, we're, we're musicians ourselves. And I'm, you know, there's, the, hearing that that type of story is very inspiring, especially being that you didn't give up because giving up is easy, you know. Never, ever give up, no matter how hard it is. No matter, I mean, never, ever, ever give up. You can slow down, you might even stop, but always go back to it, right? And I have always had this in me, so any adversity that happens to me. I look at it as an opportunity to vow that that will never happen to me again. Whatever education I got to get to solve that problem or, or, or get a solution, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I've done for the last, you know, that's what I've done all my life. So that's why, you know, I still am relevant today because I've always kept playing offense. I never gave up new things and I'm just tenacious like that. And you know, when I when I was doing a little bit more digging, um, doing some research on you and that you seem to me, correct me if I'm wrong, but just obsessed with learning new things and mastering new things all the time. I mean, I've read a lot of self-help books, been to a lot of seminars and you pick up things that you add to your hustle, which makes your hustle custom to you and the more you you know the more you educate yourself and the more you hustle and the more you figure things out and the more you gain mastery over all those things or somewhat you know some things you're going to master more than others but you become ambidextrous in life and nothing really throws you because there's a solution right i don't think about the problems i think about the solution that's what i'm trying to get at if you yeah. get, and, and you know, they say, keep negative people away from you. I'm like, man, bring every negative person to me as quick as you can because they provide you with the power, right? They give you problems. It's like they give you math problems to solve and you're a math nerd, right? Or they give yeah. you math, you know, people. It, it comes in the form of excuses. Well, I can't do this because of this. And you come up with five solutions. You don't necessarily have to beat them over the head with it, but you can put it in your toolbox. And then now your toolbox becomes a tool shed. And then your tool shed becomes Ace Hardware. And then your Ace Hardware becomes a Home Depot. And you have every tool you need to be successful in anything you do. So there's nothing that is not possible. It's up to what's inside, which a lot of people don't have. I can't explain this, but the ability to not give up and to go hard and to just fight through everything. It's not for everybody, but there are ways and tactics that you can use to do, to, to get to where you need to be and just keep growing. Right. So it just depends on what type of seeds you want to be, you know, <laughs> and, and a lot of people don't take the time to, they just don't take the time to see within themselves what they're truly capable of. 
right? And, you know, 28 years ago, I planted a seed called Wump, there it is. And now that is a sequoia and it lives through me, right? And that's how I look at myself. And I don't give a damn what it is. And people are like, well, what's next for DC? And I'm like, you know what? I have no idea, but I know I want it all. And they're like, DC, you can't have it all. You can't do it all. You don't have enough time today. You can't do all that stuff. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. But I sure enough can be prepared for everything. And they're like, yep, that makes sense. And I just shake my head because the very thing they just disapproved of, they now approved of said differently <laughs> because preparation is doing everything. It's doing everything in your power to be prepared for whatever seeds you lay to come back and hit you in the head. And then you have, you, at least you have a half a chance of succeeding because you made, you prepared for that. That was a dream of yours. That's something you wanted to do. And you just weren't hoping and praying. You actually put in the work. Yeah. And that's what I've always been about. Always and forever. And that, that is a very refreshing mindset to hear. And, you know, not, not everybody has that, um, that outlook. Yeah, and I, 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 to guess, I'd say that that's probably a good reason why, why you're as successful as you have been. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I'm not as successful as the most successful, but in my custom fit way of life, I'm successful as I can be, right? And that's why I go even harder because I'm not even, I haven't even scratched the surface of what I think I'm capable of. But it's going to require lots of education because you see people don't realize that every day this world changes every day technology changes every day paradigms shift and if you don't stay on top of it let alone learn on the fly you can't get to where you want to be some of it's happenstance some of it's positioning some of it's being at the right place at the right time but you create all that right through the thing through the seeds that you've laid in the past so i just keep my eyes open i have to say no to a lot right you know perfect example i'm an actor i'm a voice artist i'm an seo specialist i'm a pr you know i do i do my own pr i'm a publicist i'm a booking agent i do all these things these are all the things that most people would pay people to do for an artist but i do them all myself and Sometimes I have to say no to get to the bigger thing, you know? So right now I kind of have to, I've had to say no to certain auditions and acting and voiceover because I'm so busy trying to get up to speed with the crypto universe, you know, crypto, metaverse, NFT, yeah. the whole nine. Cause I'm not just going to get in and be like, I got coins. I'm buying coins. It's going up. That's what most people do. They, they treat it as a casino. Yeah. I want to know all these ecosystems and where the technologies are for every ecosystem because you know if you know what you're doing cryptocurrency is basically just every coin is you can become a angel investor for the new technology that you believe in or a new technology that you think will be big in the future and people don't even see it that way they don't even go that deep into it they just see it as a coin but it's not a coin it's a token. It is. It's, it's a. It's a platform that you can invest in. For the new technologies to move faster than, than the speed of light, because that's what's happening. You know, it's like nineteen. It's the nineties all over again, as far as the internet. This is just a new internet, and then this is in a space that moves so fast. You know, I'm just glad to be in on it. And that came from an opportunity because of all the seeds I've laid that some people have been calling me. You need to make a tag team. Whoop, there it is, NFT. And I'm like, hold on. Let me uh, talk to you later about that, right? And it wasn't <laughs> I was igging them or it wasn't because I was brushing them off. It was because I had to get my educational level up to there so we could even have that conversation. Yeah, that makes sense. I, that was the case. I think, I, you know, that comes with experience and that's what I do. I join organizations. I do. I, I try to create every single avenue to shorten my learning curve and get to, you know, the promised land faster. 
It's not shortcutting anything. It's just using all of the resources in front of you to come up with a custom way to be a Trojan horse to get the things that you want in life. That's what I do, man. So I, I got a question for you. You said that you don't work with the booking agent. You do all that yourself. How do you how do you make sure that you're saying yes to the right things and no to the right things? So when I really when I realized I wanted us to start doing shows again, I went to all the booking agencies and I was like, hey, we want a tag team wants to do shows again. And they were like, well, you only got one song. Like, yeah, but it's a big song. Yeah, but you only got one song. So we don't, I'm like, I just want to be on your website so people know we're doing shows. And everybody kind of laughed at me. And I said, all right, huh, what can I do? Go join an organization, association, or society that deals with booking concerts. And I joined the International Entertainment Buyers Association which effectively cut out the middleman. And in that world, there's a hierarchy. You're, you have your buyers. These are your big boy people who put on tours or who want to put on a, a, a tour. Then you have your um, venues, right? And then you have your big boy um, booking agents, Live Nation, uh you know, radio one, all those, all those big entities that put on concerts. Then you have your mama pops, the very people that were telling me I can't. Then you have your managers, then you have the artists. And I effectively cut out all of them because international so internet international entertainment buyers association is the association for buyers, the people who put on those concerts. And I went to their convention. The only black dudes in there is me and Chubby Checker. And I've got a big whoop <laughs> Right. And I'm walking around 5,000 people strong with a big whoop. There it is. T-shirt. And now a lot of lies are on me. And I gave my pitch. Hi, my name is DC, the brain Supreme tag team. You ever heard of the song? Whoop, there it is. Of course I heard of that song. I was like, well, we're out here and you know, we're a clean nineties nostalgia rap group. And I'm just trying to see if I can find some shows. And I had no idea of the magnitude of the variety of shows there are out there. You got rodeos, you got casinos, you got, uh, all the tribute band stuff you got there's there's entertainment venues all over the world when I left that after I left that we started doing shows and then I was doing all all uh, setting up everything everything that came to me negotiating doing the whole nine and it was basically a test drive for booking agents who kind of believed in me at the beginning but we worked together and they got and whoever got me the most, you know, got tag team the most shows. I was going to use them as our booking agent because I had other things to do. And that's what I do. I go learn it. Then I find somebody who can do it that I can work with well and teach them my ways along with their experience. And then we flourish together. Right. You build a team. And that's how I did that. So now, you know, we're with Pyramid Inc. But then we have several I have specialized booking agents. I have a booking agent for the NBA uh, to do halftime shows. I have a booking agent for the NFL to do NFL halftime shows. So now you can get strategic all over the board, right? And now I got people who know what we want, who know what we do. And if you book us, we're all in. So all you got to pay is one fee and then you don't have to worry about us. We're going to be on time. We're going to take, I, we do our own flights. We do our own hotels. We keep the cost down. So we get more money, right? It's not about being a star. It's about being a businessman. Yeah. That, that's one example of the many that when I join an organization, it happens instantly. It takes no more than a month for me to learn and start becoming masterful at the things I do because in those organizations, you got people that have been doing it for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and they can't wait to tell you everything and give you their experience and i got experience too and i got my hustle and i got my intellect and i got my willing to learn at all cost now it's not going to take that long and if it does take that long so what and I'm, i love it when it's hard because i know everybody's not going to do it like i say it ain't for everybody but it's for me so uh how did you guys end up getting the biggest commercial on tv 
So that goes back to all of those. Which my mother loves that commercial, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but that goes to who we are. The S is a tag team is the party. Our energy, right? We walk in a room, you know. I walk in a room, you really know. Because I'm the DJ. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm party people. And now I'm sprinkles. Because everybody, <laughs> that's all they want to hear is sprinkles. So I'm, I embrace <laughs> it. So it's all good. But the, the, the beauty of that Geico commercial spawns from so many things in our past and traumatic events that, you know, 10 years ago, the world thought Barack Obama was in our music video because it was- Yeah, LA. I remember it. <laughs> we did press for a whole week in ABC, NBC, uh, CNN, Stephen Colbert's show. We did all those, all that stuff. And at the end of that week, I had nothing in my pocket to show from it. And I vowed that that would never happen again. And that started my SEO career because we had no presence on the internet. That was the beginning of, you know, that was the beginning of social media. That we, we didn't have a website. And we had had a website all the way back in 1994. You know, but we didn't know what that was back then. Our, our engineer put that together for us. If I had known what that was back then, oh my gosh, right? Just think, just think. And I vowed that never happened again. And that started a 10-year push to learn SEO. And I did it. I learned a search engine. For those who don't know what search engine optimization is, it's the ability to get on the first page of Google and impose your will on the people you want to impose your will on. So now, you know, 10 years ago, you type in tag team, it was all wrestling. You type in tag team today, it's all tag team. So September, actually August 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, I get a call from my acting agent. And Lena's like, DC, you booked a Geico commercial. And I was like, why are you playing with my emotions? We're in the middle of a pandemic. Everybody's scared. Everybody's tripping. <laughs> stuff, and then you get on the phone playing. I haven't even auditioned for a Geico commercial. She was like, no, DC, they want tag team. I was like, oh, different story. And I checked my tag team phone, and there it was, the phone call. And the phone call came because, it, it, you know, they didn't wait for me to call them back. They looked online. Our IMDB pulls up first. They go to IMDB. They find my agent for acting. And they call, and then she calls me. That's synergy. Because now I don't have to go get lawyers and stuff. I can let my agent make the deal because that's an agency, and they do commercials. And we made the deal, and it's the most lucrative deal I have ever made in my life bigger than whoop there it is and because i'm an actor i didn't just walk into that commercial like hey what we're doing we're the stars what you want us to do no i prepared a month i said i want to have 10 things that i go into and talk to the producer and the director with and that's what i did and the night before we had our fitting we had our big meeting i was like hey i got some ideas you guys open you're like dc anything you want to do I said, well, I had an uh, idea. I was trying to get a spinning scoop fabricated you know, where I could put it in the palm of my hand and just spin it. I thought that would be cool, like a six-shooter. And they were like, it'll be done tomorrow. I was like, what? Because I had, I had hell trying to get that done. And I said, I know kids love sprinkles. I don't know why, but we got to have a bunch of sprinkles. I want to do the Salt Bay thing with sprinkles. I want to do the LeBron James thing with sprinkles. I had all kinds of sprinkles things I wanted to do because I was for the kid. <laughs> They said, DC, we will have a truckload of sprinkles for you. Don't worry. Forget about it. I said, all right. And then just went down the list. And when we went to do that video the next day, or commercial, our energy was so incredible that that's what made it. And then the energy from all the other people who were cast and how we infected that whole set, that's what made it. That's what made that commercial and the nuances in it the commercial it is. And I knew it was going to be good because at the end of the day, the uh, one of the, the assistants pulled me in this room with this big 84-inch monitor screen with all the executives and higher-ups from the Martin Agency and Geico and they started clapping. And I knew we had something because it had to pass everybody's mustard. If somebody thought there was something else that needed to be done, it needed to be, it had to be done. We had to shoot it. But they knew they had something. And then it was a waiting game. 
And then, you know, I'm not just going to sit there and be like, I got a Geico commercial. I'm happy. I'm like, what can I do to turn this opportunity into 40 opportunities? Right. And I said, well, this is an acting, you know, this is like an acting voiceover thing. Get a publicist. So I tried to get a publicist. They're like, no, nah, we don't know. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Everybody's working from home. We don't know. I was like, thank you. You know, they gave me every reason why they couldn't instead of one reason why they should. And I said, okay, we'll be my own damn publicist. And what do I do when I get stuck? I join an organization. <laughs> and I join the Public Relations Society of America. And two days in the Super Bowl week, on a Wednesday, I jump on the Zoom cast, the CEO of this firm, PR firm, and I raised my hand. I like press releases because I had a press release in the hall, but some told me not to drop it just yet. And this is the perfect opportunity to ask, are they really relevant? Do I need to spend my money to do this? But I knew it was relevant, but I wanted to hear it from a professional. And they were like, well, what's it for? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of featured in a national Geico commercial called Scoop. There it is. And I just looked at the chat and blew up the entire chat. That's not him. That couldn't be him. I love that commercial. My mom loves that commercial. The kids love that commercial. My dog loves that commercial. I'm like, <laughs> and everybody's in the monitor is like, all right, all right, all right. Back to DC's question, our press release is relevant. And the C goes, yes. Because every story in this country and in the world has been COVID for the last year. And everything has been political. And here you guys come spinning scoops and throwing sprinkles and DC smile <laughs> and dancing. She said, that press release is going to work. You're going to go here for all the publicists. You're going to go here for all the TV talk shows. You're going to go here for all the journalists. You're going to go here for all the podcasts. And she gave me the entire breadth of her experience in 10 minutes. And it has changed my life forever. And it is the reason that you and I are talking right now. See, I just don't go in and just do what I got to do. I go in and I create opportunities that last a lifetime. And that's, you know, we could have just did the commercial and been done, but now Geico's giving us ice cream. Geico put us in, you know, we're the Grand Marshals of the Talladega 500 NASCAR. That's NASCAR's second biggest race, and we're the Grand Marshals, right? That's awesome, yeah. Geico is putting us front and center for so many things. The sheer variety of things we get to do now, from first pitches in baseball games to – so Thanksgiving, you know, uh, Macy's, not Macy's, but uh, the Duncan Thanksgiving Parade in Philly and the Festival of Lights and just the sheer magnitude of everything we get to do is because of the hustle and the preparation. Because we could have just did a Geico commercial, sat in our ass, and then it would have been over, right? But because I am good friends with the CEOs of all these companies now, and I have infiltrated everybody in the and 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 fill everybody with such energy and inspiration and these are people who are professional people who have been doing this for years they all know who i am and they all watch me so i better be moving forward i better be setting the example even if i don't have the resources to set the example set the example and effort i tell people this all the time you have got to let people see you hustle right you get in front of people not to ask them, can you do this for me? You get in front of people stealthily so they can watch you hustle. You're putting on a performance, but you're also putting in the work, killing two birds with one stone. If you see somebody putting in work that they don't need to put in and don't have to put in, but they put in harder like it's their own company and it's your company, are you going to bypass that person? No. Nope. I do everything you can to help that person. And that's what I do. And after we dropped that press release, the next day the Dan Patrick show calls. We want you on Super Bowl Friday. Now I'm on national TV, Dan Patrick show, talking about strip clubs and Tom Brady. <laughs> right? And then a week later, I'm on ABC Daytime, national audience, Tamron Hall show. And she she did her homework and made a narrative about us that everybody's mama was watching because everybody's mama watches daytime television and they watch Tamron Hall and the phones lit up 
because Tamara was like, it is such a great thing that you're acting and that you're doing voiceover and that you never get, she knew every, she knew the whole story and she said it so eloquently because she's a professional, right? And it catapulted us. But that don't happen if I don't put press releases out. This doesn't happen if I don't talk to the CEOs of these companies and say, hey, how you doing? You inspire me. This doesn't happen if you don't let people see you hustle. And now I, uh, I got mad respect for that, man. That's uh, hey, man. Yeah, you, your, your whole grind and everything you've been talking about, man. I just got to tell you from a musician standpoint, I, I got a lot of respect for you, man. That's, it's, it's inspiring. Yeah, very inspiring. I mean, think about it. Everybody's success story is different, right? Everybody's like, so are you guys going to make a new record? I was like, no. Why would I make a new record? I got a forever hit record. <laughs> but I just say that because, well, what if I did put out another record? How would I do it? Right? Would I put out another record? Be like, okay, I got to get on social media. Hey, everybody, look at me. I got a new record. Now, if I do that, everybody's going to be like, man, DC needs to sit his old ass down. He's doing good with that guy. <laughs> I don't know. But if I'm auditioning for a Christmas uh, movie and book it in March, then I can make a Christmas song, submit it to the movie I'm in. And now, even if that movie doesn't take the Christmas song, I have a Christmas song to, to send to all the ad agencies, to send to all the television shows, to send throughout the industry, not the music industry, well, maybe the music industry because they need, you know, records for, for, for radio. But just think, if I'm in a Walmart Christmas commercial because they use my music, that's 300 grand right there off the rip plus SAG residuals. And now I don't have to go tell anybody I did it because somebody's going to say, what is that song? I love that song. They're like, that's DC from Tag Team. Man, he's still making money. <laughs> Which narrative do you like? The first one? Or the second. You see what I'm saying? There's all kind of ways to do it. It's about perspective. You have to use people's ignorance against them. Because most people will say, man, you're too old to do this. So I'm not even going to bother to even like you. But if you get out of people's way and let them see the music first and not even know that it's you, then you've just circumvented the process, but not circumvented the process. You found the way. I, hey, I stole Jeff Blue, Joe Goldblum's line, Jurassic Park. And I just like, hustle finds a way. <laughs> hustle so, finds a way, man. I'm telling you. Well, and you know, I got to tell you, honestly, you know, watching the Scoop There It Is commercial and it, uh, you're 100% right. You know, the the way that you entered that and the, the performance that you guys put into that, um, is what made the difference. You know, there's been other uh, stars that have been in commercials and it's very cookie cutter. Um, and there's nothing extravagant. I mean, I mean, yeah, it was like, no, 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 no. And, and you guys, you know, you were you were funny, you're entertaining with it. You, it. you could tell that you guys were having fun. And the beauty of it is that I think the thing that makes it the greatest is that for that quarter of a second, that contrast, that switch from dull to just circus, right? Yep. Is what everybody wishes they could do. <laughs> when you're in that moment where you're just like, I'm bored, I'm this, I'm this, and then bam, you're in having the time of your life in the greatest amusement park on earth. That was the essence of that commercial. And it has to do with something that everybody loves, ice cream. <laughs> right, well, you know, it's, it's ice cream. It's tag team. It, what, where can yeah, you go wrong? But it, but it was so. It, it is so funny because every it, it is open up. We're about to go to Alaska and scoop ice cream for kids for an just unbelievable amount of money. Right. So so would you have ever thought ten years ago that you could have done a commercial and it would have blown up this huge? Yeah, I always think that. But I, I, I'm serious because because of the work that I put in, right? I, and I'm not emotionally tied to everything, right? If this did, if if it was just a mediocre commercial or it was just a commercial, 
I would have been like, okay, cool. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next? I don't, I don't even, I don't even tie myself emotionally to it because that's where you hurt yourself, right? You hurt yourself when you do that. You got to keep your emotions out of it. And when you can keep your emotions out of it, sequester your ego, sequester your pride. Now your mind is truly open to every possibility moving forward. And you're not stuck with something you have no control over, right? So even, even while the, 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 I mean, the scoop there it is commercial is going, I'm still hustling. Like we don't even have a commercial because I'm like, okay, I had an argument with one of my corporate buddies, right? He's big in the corporate world. And he was like, you got to get the numbers. I need to know how many times that's being played and boom, boom, boom. You need to, you need to ask, you need to get the numbers from Geico. And I was like, man, I ain't about to run up on Geico and be like, can I get the numbers or how many times it's been? I ain't about to do that. And he's like, man, you got to do that, man. Please, man, you got to do that. I was like, dude, I'm not doing that. And we argued, you know, we, we didn't argue, we debated. And, you know, I was listening and I said, okay. I'm not going to ask Geico for it. I'm going to find out who Geico does, the companies that Geico uses to get those numbers, right? I know a lot of their stuff is internal, but I went to, you know, I started probing. I went to uh, uh, Nielsen, iSpot TV, sent them, sent them emails, and iSpot TV hits me back, and they're like, I got to I gotta talk. Let me, let, me, let me talk to my boss. Now I'm talking to the vice president of this company and they're like, we're going to hook you up with this person and you don't need to pay nothing. We actually just want to do an interview with you because we look at a million commercials all day and nothing cuts through this cut through. This is worthy of it. So now they've done all the research, got all the numbers and they say, we just want to do that. And we want to make a little commercial and just show what you guys have done. So when you want to, Tell companies your value proposition when you're in those boardrooms. All you got to do is give them this link and they'll know. I'm like, whoa. Then I go to Nielsen. Nielsen's like, yeah, man, that's a great commercial. Boom, boom, boom. It's going to cost you this to do that. I'm like, whoa. That's a bit steep. like, no, 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 no. But we got subsidiary companies that could do it for this. I go to, now they're setting up meetings with subsidiary companies. And those subsidiary companies are giving me the information just because they're glad to be talking to me. Now I know what my true value proposition is. And if I never ever need to get, get something made up where I'm going to deal and they're just looking at me like I'm a sucker, I could slap down that manila folder on the table and say, that is my value proposition. Now pay me. Right? I'm not thinking like most people. I'm thinking different. And because I think different, you know, I stand before you in a forced opportunity unimaginable because I prepare for everything. I've got three TV shows coming out, one movie. We didn't even talk about acting and voiceover. This Sunday, I am presenting at the voiceover awards, and I'm in the room with Barack Obama, Julie Louise Dreyfus, Trevor Noah, Stacey Abrams. Come on, man, I'm presenting. Yeah, that's a, that's an amazing cast of people to be around, for sure. And you know, when I walk up, the first thing I'm going to say is sprinkle. <laughs> and everyone's going to know I'm there because their kids love that damn commercial. And they <laughs> love the commercial, but they're there. And, and I, I can't even say that they're embarrassed that they love it. They're proud that they love it. Right? Yeah. Oh, it's a hit. It's I, a hit. I'm, not, I'm not kidding you. For the first month, it probably ran. Every time it came on the on the TV, our mother is, oh, I just love that commercial. I love them guys. They're so funny. You know, just. Hey. And, and it's not like I've got pictures for other Geico commercials, right? And those are even those even better than Scoop. But they're not the same thing. They're different, right? So you have to. But I'm going to do commercials regardless. If it's for Geico or for anybody else, because that's what I do. I'm an actor. And I know how that works 100% now. So you don't think I could go to any ad agency and be like, I don't, even, I don't want you to give me anything. Just let me cast for it. Let me earn it. Just give me the opportunity to earn it. That's all I ask. Now, is there a side that you enjoy more right now, doing the music or the acting? I love it all. Good, I really good, good answer. I love it all. Like, but, you know, it's like I said, I have to put, I've had to 
probably to my detriment, put some things to the back burner to learn the crypto verse. Cause I gotta learn it. I gotta gotcha. understand I gotta understand the language so I can be able to talk to people about it and get more knowledgeable about it. I mean so, I go, I'm flying all over the country meeting people and meeting developers and just understanding what this is because it is the future. And if I'm at the in the beginning on it and understand it, you know, I'm a licensed commodities broker. Because once again, with traumatic events in my life, I vowed things won't that will never happen again. So I got into finance because I was like, nobody's gonna ever beat me out of my money again, ever. And I became a licensed commodities broker. I passed a series three test and I was DJing at daytime and I mean DJing at night and working at a brokerage at the daytime. This is like early two thousands. That's so amazing. I don't, I don't care what it is. I have to learn it, but at the same time. That's why I do three or four podcasts a day because podcasts serve 14 different, you know, I kill 14 birds with one stone. I'm practicing articulation for voice of, I'm practicing storytelling for acting. I'm practicing off the cuff questions, being able to, you know, throw, get thrown curveball questions. I'm acting, interacting with different people all over the world. And it bears fruit because people want me to do things. I've been invited to speak because of podcasts. I've been invited to Comic-Con because of podcasts. I've invited, I've gotten shows off of podcasts. And I just, for me, it's just about talking to people who are willing to listen about my experiences and giving advice that I wish somebody had gave me when I was a young man. That's my responsibility and that's my mission. And I give what I want first. DC, you should do a book. You should do this. Nope, I'm giving it away because I receive more blessings when I do it like that. Nice. Money's secondary. I'll get the money. So, at, you know, at what point did you decide that you wanted to make the shift into doing voice acting and acting? Because as a DJ, you know, during the 2000s, I'm in the self-help thing. Every book I could get my hands on, self-help, self-help, self-help. And one of the books was like, you got to get in the corridor. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? And getting in the corridor, a guy wants to own a wants to own a pie shop. But I don't know nothing about a pie shop, so let me go work at a pie shop. Works at a pie shop for six months, knows everything about a pie shop, then opens a pie shop, then franchises that pie shop, then sells that fr that franchise for twenty million dollars. That's called getting in the corridor. Well, I'm DJing at this club. Let me put together a business plan to be the marketing manager. Cause I'm not just a DJ. I'm your DJ. I'm your light guy. I'm your sound guy. I'm your marketing. I am your voiceover guy for all your radio spots. I do all your graphics and flyers. I do all your television ads. I do every, every medium of marketing SEO, the whole nine. You have to hire 10 people for every one of me. No company is willing to do that. And I put together a PowerPoint presentation and my boss cut me a check for 25 G's said get started cause she knew. And when you make yourself invaluable to a company, you get health insurance when you should. What strip club DJ you know got health insurance, life insurance, income. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So it's about how you play it. And once I started doing all these things, I really was like, okay, I'm gonna have to make this transition out these clubs. What am I going to do? I was like, I'll do voiceover. So I started training for voiceover. And I started flying New York and L.A. and just training and training and training. And, you know, I never quit. And voiceover, because I was in voiceover, acting became a byproduct because I got an agent. And the owner was like, I like his face. Put him on camera. And I started taking acting classes and got hooked. And now I probably got six, seven commercials four TV shows, four movies since 2017. Man, that's, that's awesome. A career for some people, right? I have yeah, definitely. And I love being the narrative and telling the story. Well, he didn't start acting until he was 50. It can be done, right? Because as long as you're breathing, there's nothing you can't do. No one, one question I had about tag team before I forget to ask it. Yeah. Uh you guys came out kind of when gangster rap and all that was popular. Did you yeah. guys ever get a pushback from that community? No, nah, man. They loved us because they knew who I was. They knew they right. knew. I mean, P 
people accept you for who you are and you really accept a person when you realize you judged them wrong, right? We all we all have preconceived notions about people, and then you meet them, be like, "Damn, I thought he was gonna be like, that dude is cool as hell." That yeah. is what reverberates through the industry, right? Because they know, and it, and it really worked because I'm in Magic City, which is one of the greatest strip clubs in the history of strip clubs, and everybody that came to Atlanta back in the '90s late 80s and early 90s had to come to my club and they came straight to the dj booth and i I got pictures with all of them with you know i got there the same time Dion sanders got um drafted me and Dion's good buddies you know nice. all, all the falcons all the dominique wilkins all the basketball folk all the baseball back in all the, night, all the time they was always in the dj booth with me so when we made it I had I watched how stars acted and how they treated people. And I just vowed that I would never be that asshole person like that. Not all, you know, I'm not saying that they are, but there are some that are like that. And yeah. especially ones that think they're bigger than what they are. Then they treat people like crap. And then when they fall, the very people that they treat like crap revel in their demise and they never come back. And I vowed <laughs> never to be that dude. I can only be DC. A lot of the time we'll ask people who somebody that they met that was just a, a terrible person. Instead of asking you that, who's somebody that you met that you thought was going to be a terrible person, but actually ended up being just the coolest person? I don't know. Cause I don't even, I can't even call it like that. I thought it was going to be a terrible person. Eh. Huh. Just ended up being the coolest person to hang out with actually. Probably you know, just. Probably. I didn't think he was going to be a bad dude, but it was like, because I was a fan. So when I met Tupac, I was like, okay, how's how's this going? How, how are we going to play this, right? But then me and him be in the club together because his mom lived down here in Atlanta. So I would see him at the clubs on Friday night and we'd just be kicking it. You know what I mean? And it's just like to be kicking it with Tupac. And he treated That's- me like, you know, I'm DC. You know what I mean? It was like, that was cool. Um, just every, there's really... You know, there are a couple people who were just so arrogant that I was just like, you know what, I got to get out of here because this dude is just arrogant, <laughs> right? But, I, you know, it didn't, you know, that, you know, I, years later, that person is not that person that he was 20 years ago. And we do shows with him today and we're, we're good friends, right? So, you know, people develop, they evolve, you know, they change. Some people don't. And the ones... You know, everybody know everybody in this industry knows who I am. And I don't have to be, everybody don't have to know me. I don't have to be a star, right? I'm working behind the scenes. I'm going to get mine, right? I'm going to get mine. If that answers. No, not, not to put down any of our other guests, but you are probably about one of the realest people we've had come on here and just, you know, shoot it straight, man, without wanting to be a superstar, this or that. And, you know, you, you just are who you are. And that's awesome. I, lo- I love that, dude. I mean, that's the best part of me, right? There is no, all the other stuff is fake. So if I ever get tested on it, I fold. But if you ask me to be me, well, what you need? How can I help you? What's up? You need some advice? What? You know, I'm helping, a, I'm helping an actor now that is probably more famous than me. And he asked me for some advice. You know, it's like, can I, you know, it's like he said, can I get a dollar, man? And I gave him $5,000. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so much more changed his life. It changed his whole perspective. But I'm thinking, how does he not know that? But then people only know what they know. Because people have people in places that say they can do things, but might not be serving them in the ways that they should be served. I know that DC, the brain supreme, is going to serve DC Glenn to the fullest. No matter what, DC the Brain no. Supreme is gonna serve tag team to the fullest. No matter what, DC the Brain Supreme is gonna serve his fans. If there's only five of them, they're gonna get a show like I'm doing in front of fifty thousand. Well, you know, and one thing too is that you know the the unique style with part of it with it being clean and that too, uh, with the type of music that you guys had, it opened doors it seemed for you with things like disney and um 
you know, a lot of those uh, other routes that, you know, yeah. not every hip hop artist gets a chance to do. The Gertie soundtrack, you know, you guys were on that. I was like, Steve, we're sitting in a car with a pig. Dude, what are we <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. That was a hard decision to make. But the money, you know, it's like ain't nobody giving away money like that. And nobody really saw it. So. And the only reason people see it is because that's in the knowledge panel that I'm trying to get off. <laughs> you know, when you, okay. you see Glenn. So, so for you, if you didn't get the good payday, would the Gertie thing never have happened? Uh, it's hard to say because we had a manager back then and she wanted us to do it. So we probably would have did it for her. But if it was okay. like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Because it just seemed, because, you know, it was a play on Gordy, right? Yeah. And not Gordy, but uh, uh, what was the big uh, pick? Babe, Babe, right? Babe. Now, if we were in Babe, woo, you see what I'm saying? That's a different story. This was Gordy, so it was already it was already awkward being in a knockoff of something that was such a huge big thing. So, but I didn't. Hey, man, back then we were young, having fun, didn't even care. You know what hey. I mean? We didn't care. and. and I, I because that was that was right in my age group, so I was a kid when that came out. So you know, I appreciated it. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's like, and, and you know, I tell people this all the time that the pandemic is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. The other side is the other side, right? We, you know, everybody lost people. It's, it's been horrific. Whatever. That's part is the life part of it, but the part of it that it just changed me in a way that. You know, we were all in the Serengeti together at the beginning. It was like, what are you going to be, predator or prey? There was a lot of evaluation, reevaluation going on. And I took that time to reinvent myself. And I hadn't, I wasn't as good as voice, in voiceover as I wanted to be. Because I was like, what am I going to do? Can't do shows, can't do this. We can do voiceover. So I went back, because every class I take, I record. I went back to the beginning, 2009, when I first started going to New York. And I listened to my first class and it was heartbreaking because I realized I was the reason I wasn't successful at voiceover yet. Like I wanted to be, I was the reason I didn't have mastery of my voice because I thought back then I could whoop there it is my way through anything. And I was wrong and I'll play, blamed it on the teachers and the instructors and it was me. But at the same time, I was inspired because all the stuff they were talking about, I understood. I was like, wait a minute. I didn't understand that back then, but I know now. Let me do this first script over. And when I did it, it was angelic. Because the first time in my life, I had had mastery over my voice. And I started booking instantly because back then everything was, we're all in this together. COVID, right? Every, every COVID commercial was like that. And I started booking. And then I get a call from my acting agent, I mean, my uh, acting coach, because she's casting this movie and they're shooting in Nebraska because they didn't give a damn in Nebraska at that time. We shot in the middle of Nebraska, my first movie called My Corona, right? <laughs> and the second movie I shot two months later in Georgia. And then I booked a big public supermarket uh, chain commercial for voiceover, booked a Tyler Perry House of Pain episode. And then here comes Geico. So people think that all the acting and stuff came after Geico, but when everything came before, I was flourishing before. Before the pandemic, I booked my first national commercial with Pizza Hut for March Madness. It would have ran March Madness like crazy and then poof. Right? So for Oh, me, yeah. That, that would, was that when the tournament got canceled that year? That was the tournament got canceled. That's when uh -huh. uh, Rudy Gobert touch the mics and then they shut yep. the down five days later <laughs> and then <laughs> down, like instantly. Right. <laughs> and, and I wasn't mad. I was so happy because I booked, they picked me out of a thousand actors for a part. I had, it. you know what I mean? So now it was up to me to put in even more work. Now it's for me to triple down, quadruple down on my effort. Right. Because those are the things that get you to where you need to be. And, you know, the other thing, and I'll finish with this, the other thing um, the pandemic taught me is that there are no mistakes. There are no missed opportunities. 
because in 1994, I'm in the bowels of Disney teaching Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse how to rap. And they're teaching me voiceover because they're telling me about animation. So in essence, my, my voiceover commercial started in 19, my voiceover profession started in 1994 and I didn't even know it. And I beat myself up for years because I was there. <laughs> right. But my mind was 1995. I'm in the office of the president of the new new line cinema. And he's like, we're working on this movie. The leads are between Wesley Snipes and LL Cool J. And I think about want to cast you for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit my agent. We'll, we'll talk. It's a vampire movie. It's called Blade. We really want to, you know, holler at you. I was like, okay, whatever. And I beat myself up for years because I was there. <laughs> there. Right? Olympics, 1996. I'm on a plane with a guy. He was like, yeah, we need one more song for this Olympic soundtrack. And I'm like, okay. And I didn't take it serious. And I beat myself up for years because the only reason I couldn't do it is because I didn't educate myself on music production to do it myself. I was there. But 2000, you know, 2021, I got movies under my belt. I got television commercials under my belt. I got tons of voiceover commercials under my belt, animation, uh, video game. I got all these things under my belt. And my Aunt Judy told me this, and this is what it is, man. Sometimes in life, we're just not ready. And that's okay. You know, you, you put a pie in the oven and then try to eat it after 15 minutes. It's not going to taste right. Cook it for <laughs> an hour, you're good. You cook it for an hour, let it rest. It's really good, right? So I just take that approach on everything. I take practical approaches to things that can wreck you emotionally. And then you that's how you take your emotions out of things. And then you just stay open-minded to every possibility. And then you weave those different hustles and weave those different mastery elements into things that serve you in ways you could have never imagined. That's why I will always I will always play offense. I will always learn how to learn because it's not enough to just learn. You got to learn how to learn, and you just got to stay positive and stay out of your emotions. You do that, there is nothing on this earth you can't do, no matter how old you are, how tall, short, what color. I don't give a damn who you are. You could do it because if they can do it, I can do it. Nobody. Can do it into them they get, eventually they're gonna have to put in the work doing something right so. you are uh very inspirational man we thank you so much for your time today dc uh we don't want to eat up too much of your time today bud we know you're a busy guy real quick is there anything you'd like to promote and also where can people find you on social media nothing to promote i just do you know i got nfts coming and all that but you'll see that uh, you know, DC Glenn ATL. That's that's me across the board, and tag team Whoop. That's the handle across the board. Awesome. And yeah, you. Thank you guys for letting me come on here and run my mouth. Hey, I, I want to thank you, man. I'm I'm not BSing you, buddy. This is a very inspirational. Talking to you is very inspirational, and uh, you just you have this good vibe about you, man. I really like you. you, you you've been an awesome guest. Hey, man, I appreciate you, man. You gentlemen have a great day. Hey, you, you too, buddy. And congratulations on all your success with everything, with the commercials, with the voice acting, with with tag team, with having your song and a thousand good movie yeah. soundtracks. And, man, I mean, that's just – it's an awesome body of work. Yeah, keep, keep it going. We're rooting for you, man. All right. Thank you, man. I'll be hollering at you. Take care. All right. All right take care. Have a good one, buddy. Peace. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Secret Stories from the Underground. I hope everybody had a wonderful Christmas. Dean is not here for this intro, so I do apologize. But today on the podcast, we have from the hip-hop group tag team, DC Glenn. 
What a great guest. This dude is so inspirational to talk to, to listen to. This guy gets it. He gets the business. He gets how to be a person. Super just, you know, motivation. The guy's just got motivation and, you know, he inspires people. Um, Real quick, we got some some plugs to get out of the way here. January 12th, our band D&D will be at the 1867 one last time. Make sure you come out, support it. Tickets are only $15 and uh, you can rock out with us January 12th at the 1867. Come on out, Lincoln, Nebraska. Let's make one more great night of memories and fun. And it will all be happening at the 1867. So tickets, $15. We hope to see everybody out there. And thank you guys so much. We're getting close to the end of the new year. And we are so thankful um, that you guys are, are supporting the podcast. We're getting so many views and great guests. The guests are getting better and better all the time. Great group of people. So thankful. Thank you guys, everybody, from the bottom of our hearts. I know Dean feels the same way that I do. So thank you all. And uh, that's enough. Let's get down to our interview. From Tag Team, here is DC Glenn.